0: Hello and welcome to the Bossit podcast with Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. This podcast is released every week and is an over-the-shoulder look of a frank and candid discussion between two experienced software executives, providing you with useful tips, techniques and the latest concepts to help you grow your software business in the fast-paced digital age. So let's get into it. Here is Mark Edwards and Michael Humblett. Hello and welcome to the Boss It podcast. Hopefully, Michael can hear me, and we're connected. I can hear you, perfect,
1: Mark. I can hear you, perfect, super. But, but uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not alone today. It's a bit of ah. a special um, episode because, yeah, I have uh, a chicken in my home office <laughs> called Rosie. <Roti. laughs> and you know how it goes. You have these re- re- important. You have these meetings with really important people, and then you get home and you realize at an instant you are at the lowest of the value letter or how do you call it, the hierarchy chain because <laughs> my girlfriend said Michael our, one of our chickens is sick and we've decided to put it in your office because it's hot <laughs> okay <laughs> <laughs> so if you hear a noise it's not me it's rosie the unhappy chicken
0: so I'm, ta- I'm talking to Michael Humlet and Rosie the Chicken today. That's yes. what you're telling me. Exactly. So now we're
1: we back to the serious part, right?
0: <laughs> she may have some contributions to make. We'll see. Absolutely. Absolutely. She can
1: flap like an angel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Sounds like the title of a song. So how have things been going this week? What have you been up to? Anything, anything that's
1: occurred to you this week that we should be talking about? Absolutely, it was. Uh, it's uh, it's been a busy week, and one of the things that I see a lot, uh, not only in scale-ups, but also in larger companies, is the moment when sales and product, product engineering start fighting around features and how to get that aligned. The big question is: mm. I have a new prospect that wants to buy our software, but before he does that he wants to have a certain feature we don't have. And engineering still has a backlog of very important features for existing customers. Which one of the two will you take? How will you decide? You must have come across that one too, Mark. Absolutely, actually. Your timing is perfect, as always, because
0: (laughs) it's just been this week that I've been discussing with one of my colleagues who's a real expert in this area on the sort of the product strategy side. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about the importance of product development and the the strategy behind software development and been talking about the the sort of the immediate implications that can have for sales but also the implications that that can have at the point of sale when you're looking to sell your business obviously for us that's that's one of the areas that we're always looking at and what we've what we've done is we've bought, we've built out a component of our service, which is looking at getting making sure you've got the right strategy, making sure that you do risk mitigation, and you get the correct marketing. Because there's a lot, it's a big area, it's a big topic. It's it's bigger than we can cover in this podcast, but uh, so critical and is often overlooked. You know, I've seen a lot of money wasted in this area.
1: I think we should get your colleague one day in and just talk about that for an hour. Actually, yes. Yes, with Vincent. You've, you've met him. He's
0: very good yeah. at, um, and very strong on this area, and I think it would make a, an interesting uh, interview that we could do. We could have a chat with him on the podcast. So, so that let, that would be good.
1: Yeah, let me ask like a shortcut question here. Yeah, because you're thinking of it. I'm thinking of at this stage of let's say sales. Yes. If if you had to make the choice, I know it it's going to be a difficult question. <laughs> what would you prefer that a company focuses on their existing customers to make sure they are absolutely happy and upsell there or rather on scaling on new ones? That's a difficult question. It is
0: interesting. Uh,
1: If you want Rosie to flap now and we start on something else, you
0: just shout. (laughs) (laughs) Give me some thinking. It's a good question though. I like questions that, that make you think like that. I think, The one of the really important areas, and and this actually links back to something we touched upon before, which is the study that we've been doing over quite a few months now, looking at the unicorn companies. So these are the really fast growth companies within the software tech. So what we've done is we've first of all gone out to identify those companies worldwide. Quite interesting when you start to break them down, look at them by countries, and then you're looking at the common denominators. And we're going to be putting together a, a paper on this. I've made lots and lots of notes and um it's quite interesting. We're starting to look for the common denominators, the patterns. What is it that we can learn from these really fast growth companies that can be applied to all of the businesses in software tech? And I think one of the things that jumped out at me immediately was their focus on the customer experience. So Absolutely. it's a mm-hmm making that experience not just good but exceptional so i think in that respect a big part of that is with your existing customers is focusing on your existing customers so that they don't just get a good experience when you're in the process of winning their business but throughout the life that you have with them that depends on um, you know, what it is that you're selling with the product or, or a service and, and what type of product or service. But typically with software tech, you know, you, you have a client for, for quite a long period. It's not t- typically a sort of a one-off sale. And you never see them again. So I think if you get feedback, if you're very close to your existing customers, then that will help you with future customers to get into their mindset, and in fact, interesting th- exercise that we've we've done over the last few weeks, and I just saw the final document today, which was a th- what we call a three d profile on our customer, and it's creating this profile and even we've got an image and we've got a name of the person of a of a customer, and it's their emotions, their drivers, everything about them because that's so important in a business so so to answer your question, it's a tough one because obviously you want to have. You know, you want to focus on your existing customers, but you always want to be gaining new customers. I think if if I had to be pushed and choose, I'd say focus on your existing customers. Make sure that that experience for them is really exceptional and then go and win some new ones using that that knowledge and processes.
1: Is that a fair answer? Yeah, I don't know. No, I always have a tendency to go for new, but it's the nature of the business. Sure. But, yeah. but you're a hunter. You might be right if you think about the experience approach. I think you're definitely right. The, the thing I advise them because it's—I mean, it's a—it's a hard question—is I—I want them to set up a, a product board, what I call. So everybody gets a seat: sales, in executive engineering. They all have to make one slide right. where they basically explain like this is the market. That's what we're facing. That's the impact on the revenue. That's why we should do it. And I—I I love to turn these things in a very positive team-building kind of exercise where we make the hard choices, we compare, we all agree, nobody gets a veto, I mean, except the the CEO, of course, and then at the end of the day, I always add one slide on new ideas, and if you do that, everybody loves to talk about the new ideas, you make a tough choice, there's always somebody unhappy, but then you talk about new ideas, and then you feel the balance restoring itself, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is in short, a long story pushed together in two minutes, Mm -hmm. which... Actually, Mark leads me to the following topic where I've been today during lunch being confronted with was an executive worked, worked, worked day and night, day and night, and then got hit down, knockout, three weeks. Young guy, really what? good, really capable. And he said it was not the fact of the working. It was I he, he said my character started changing. I started to being annoying to everybody, started fighting with everybody. We knew oh, it was okay.
0: a lot. So, so it wasn't an illness, it, it, it was overwork or
1: stress or I mean, purely stress related. Okay. Just worked yes. way too much. And and it's not about focus. He said there was so much going on. He he had to do it. So but that's the question, of course. Wow, well, yeah. I think that's something that
0: unfortunately we we see too often. Um I saw a there was an article that I read. I think it was. It may have been something that I was reading in a book fairly recently, and it said that. And it didn't actually back up this data. It said forty nine percent of CEOs at some stage suffer from mental health problem. Now that that, that's seems, a lot. A bit, that seems a bit high to me, but actually, <laughs> but it. Maybe I mean, exactly, that might be true. <laughs> I I haven't got the evidence to say that's not true. I yeah. do know that it does happen, and I've come across it frequently. Um, to sort of come down a notch from that, I think what I have seen excessively is where stress has got to the CEO to a level where it's it's inhibiting the way that he works. Yeah, exactly. I
1: think you'd you'd have probably seen that as well. Yeah, he you becomes a big bottle, or oh, he or she, by the way, becomes a big bottle. Yes. Yeah. and yeah, what? But it's also a It's like they can't let go of the control and they really need to read like these typical websites and papers. They want to read every letter and the guys, it's just not going to work. Trust the people. Yes.
0: Yeah. I mean, typically these guys, they're they're, they're hard workers. They're, They're disciplined. They're determined. But I think that that sometimes can work against you. You have to be able to step back from the business and you need to also understand... When you're performing at your best, you know, and I, as you know, I've, I've been involved in a lot of sport, um, throughout, throughout my life. And I think I picked up some lessons from that. And I think I remember, um, many years ago watching some sprinters. In fact, I think it was Limford Christie, the British sprinter, when he was running against, uh, Cole Lewis, that was it many, yeah. many years ago. And it was a big race. And I was, you know, it, there was a lot of people watching this, millions from all over the world. And uh, I was doing triathlon at the, so- at the time, so I was very much involved in athletics. And it was, a, it was a big event for us. There was quite a few of us watching. And I was watching, I was fascinated by them coming and preparing themselves just before the, the start of the race. And they were coming down into the blocks and they were going through their sequence. And I looked along the line as the camera went. And Limford Christie was the most relaxed but focused. And when he set off, there was a lot of power there, but the tension had gone from around his shoulders. It was relaxed power. And that, for me, was sort of an analogy I think I see in, in, in business as well. You know, you, you need to be able to work hard at times, but it needs to be in a relaxed way. And I think sometimes you can get that those levels of stress where you can tense up
1: Perhaps you don't react yeah. always it, in the right it, way to colleagues. Yeah. It, it always comes together. I mean, for me, it's you get this fatigue. Yeah? That, that's when you start. Huh? You start becoming tired, and then you start eating badly. You start working longer. You yes. start sporting. And you see it coming, and still you continue, and then it's hard to stop. It's like I always compare it to a spring or a coil. You push together, and yes. it's very hard to – because you know when the moment you let go, it's going to – not snap, but you know, like – Man, my native English is getting out of hand. It's going to not explode. You know, it's going to de-stretch. How do you say that?
0: If you push a spring together and it's overstretched, you mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So suddenly it snaps and... Sp-
0: oh, I see what you mean. Yes, yeah, yeah. yes. Yes, you're right. Yeah. The The thing, though, I mean, that's something that we've identified. What What's the solution? What's the advice that we would give to business owners? Exactly, yeah. I mean, one thing that I consciously do um, because I've got to say probably the last two months uh, for me personally have been the busiest I've ever been in my life. And what I've done is I've made sure that my interests and hobbies that I have outside of business, I religiously continue. You know, as as you know, I got involved in acting recently recently. I I keep up my boxing training that I do and I also do photography and at times when you're stressed you tend to think I haven't got time for that and you push those to one side yeah exactly but yeah. I think it's really important because it gives you it gives you a more balanced perspective if all yeah. you're doing is work work if you imagine sort of looking out on a scene and and all you've got in front of you in your vision is work if something happens that's not, you know, if things aren't going well at work and it's you, you, you're really close up to it and that's all you can see, that's your whole world. But if you've got some other, you know, I've got my photography and I've got acting and I've got, you know, my, my fitness training, it, it starts to put things in perspective. You know, you need in family. That puts things in perspective. And I think it makes you a bit more objective so that you can
1: handle because there always will be challenges in business. It's, it's. Yeah, it doesn't stop. And I think that, that, that you said the right word. It's putting things in perspective. I sometimes would say to people when I had large teams and they would be working for me and I saw them working, working, working. And then one day they couldn't stop anymore. So I phoned them up and I said, listen, nobody's going to die if you do not do it. Right. So yes. this is not, yes. not that important. So let it go. Yes. And, unless when you're a doctor or a surgeon, you have a real problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it's true. Yes, you don't so want a surgeon to excused, be strict. we cannot excuse this.
0: No, fortunately, we're not. We're not in that business. <laughs> we yeah. just sell. We just sell software. I mean, it's uh it's it's yeah. different, isn't it? Yeah. Sure. And uh, I think the other the other tip that I would give, and this is something that I came across three years ago, as a friend of mine. He was a um, an NLP trainer. Yeah. So neuro linguistic programming. And he'd built up a big coaching business for himself. He'd become very, very successful. He had thirty thousand clients that he'd built up over a ten year period and I'd known him for many many years. And um he came to me and he said, Mark, I'm gonna give up NLP. And I was absolutely shocked. And I said to him why? He said, Because I found something better. And he explained mm. it to me. And I, I won't go into it now. Um, but it's it's called The Principles. And, it, and and it's about understanding the way the brain works and realize that actually all stress is created by your own thinking. It's not external. It's the way you're handling it internally. And um, he described it a bit like as a bubble machine. So during the day, you have thousands of thoughts, and they are like bubbles that float across your vision. And if you mm-hmm. stick your head in one of those thoughts that's a, a, a worry – then that again starts to dominate. Whereas if you just step back, just let it float away and realize it's just your thinking that's creating the stress. Doesn't mean you you become passive. You need to decide what you know, what a plan of action to deal with these things. Um but don't let it inhibit your performance. You know, a bit like the sprinter, if you become overly tense, you're never gonna perform at your best.
1: No, true, true. You do need a bit of. I mean, yeah. It's like when I go on stage for large crowds. I do. I do need a bit of stress to be sharp. Yes. It, it's too much stress. You start. I start breathing wrong, and then you do weird stuff. Right? you don't control it. It's the moment you have this. You're kind of floating above it, but you have the. And it makes you good and sharp. No, but I think the perspective is a good one, and I also think the bubble one, So I'm gonna put on a big sign with a big bu- pink bubble. <laughs>
0: It's going when to remind me of this. Thing. I'm, I'm actually looking at a picture I've got in my office. It's right above my my desk, <clears throat> and I'll, perhaps I'll send it to you. And it's a you photograph. Of, it's a photograph I took quite close to me, and it's of somebody cycling through um, a, an area on the road where it had been flooded. And just before that, there's a big slow sign because it was going into a village. Mm-hmm. And I've I've added to it slowing. Slowing down is the best way forward. So quite often, <laughs> you get into a speeded up mode. You know, I, I thought the idea of this—you know, if this cyclist had just sort of really just motored through that with that water; they would have got soaked. Yeah, but they've yeah. slowed down to go through what could be a tricky bit of their journey, and that—that—that that, that made a lot of sense to me. So I stuck. I got that stuck. It's about two and a half foot wide. I'm out a bit more, a bit bigger than that. Actually, just above my desk, and then sometimes I just look up, and it's a little bit of a reminder. I'll, mm-hmm. uh, perhaps I can post should, that on the podcast. You should, for sure. You mentioned about going on stage. Made me think actually. Yeah. What's your process? Because we, we, you know, we've both been in that situation where you've got to go up and you've got to present to a lot of people. I, what's I, your process? I, you I, do
1: I, immediately before actually going up on stage. I have something really simple. Everybody knows, let's say, the middle part. Actually, you're always an expert. Most people are an expert and know more about their topic than the crowd in front of them. If that's not the case, you should not be on stage, right? That's number one. (laughs) (laughs) So so what I do is I actually only focus on the first two minutes and the last minute because those are the most important. So I have this mantra in my head. It's really (laughs) weird where I'm going to be redoing my first two sentences. And it calms me down and, 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 and sometimes really funny things happen because last time, you know, the mantra goes, hi, I'm Michael Hamlet, founder of blah, blah, blah. And then this uh, lady came on stage and she did the pre-framing. I, yeah, it was hard to get uh, to Michael, but here he is. Here I give you Michael Hamlet. And then I come on stage and I do this. Hi, I'm Michael Hamlet. <laughs> 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 but it works for me. It works. And I actually, I do my one or two sentences. I, I break, and I watch the crowd, and I count two in my head, and I don't say anything, and that sucks the whole attention straight to you. It's scary, but then you it gives you some kind of control, and then I continue. That's it's a trick I learned. It's it's hard. Mm. It's not easy, but it it makes you control the stage like within a heartbeat. Do you feel the nerves beforehand before going up on stage? Do I, can you always, feel that? Always, it's so it's ridiculous. Sometimes I have two, three speaking slots per day and I'm always always nervous it's so weird but I've seen over the years it used to be a few days up front and now it's literally like two three minutes before I get it suddenly and then I'm thinking why am I doing it and then when you get off stage you know that's why I'm doing it but I'm I I, I, I probably apparently I need some of the nerves yes yes so, so, so
0: sort of feel the nerves but accept yep. it as part of what
1: enables exactly. you to get get You have to it. use it. You have to use it. Yeah. I I have to use it. And you see when I mean you've seen me doing when I'm really suddenly getting at ease, that's no good. I need to have a bit of tension. Yes. Because otherwise I kind of lose yeah. my thread and I'm I'm starting to look around and I'm like, No, no, this is no good. So I need um, to have a bit of pressure there. A bit of adrenaline to be flying. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly yeah, adrenaline, and then you feel so. And then, and then, while I'm talking, for me, really, really key is always know your next slide. So know how you do the transition. It, the key for me for good speakers is transitions. Yes. And the way you move around. If you look to stand up comedy, you see they are master in switching. Yesterday night, I was looking at Ricky Gervais. Gervais I don't know how you pronounce that in English. It's last... Yeah, well, his last show on Netflix. And you see him, like, moving left, and I'm thinking, he mastered this. So, beautiful and just think of your next slide, know what the story is, how you're going to get there, and then stage it, use space, especially what you're not saying is really key. And then towards the end, you kind of build it up, and then you say your last sentence, and I don't know why people do. People keep saying, because, you know, I give a lot of teachings around how to present People keep saying, this was my last slide. I hope you enjoyed or I hope you did, I didn't bore you. I cannot understand you would do that. <laughs> Something very simple. If you don't know what to say, people believe in people that believe. You just say, yes. I am convinced that blah, blah, blah. Of I believe yes. that if you would use one tip of today, you will make more revenue. Something like that. Yes. And then again, two second pause. Everybody's going to watch you again because they know it's the end. And then you say, thank you. That little moment in the beginning and the end makes people pay attention. Now, dear listeners, you've heard all my tricks, so I can't (laughs) do them anymore. (laughs) How do you do it, Mark? Because I've seen you. You don't seem – you're one of those guys for me that when when I get nervous, I tend to speak faster. I, I start living faster on every front. When I see you, I, you are one of those guys, you, you calm down and you will actually talk too long because you're at ease. That's very weird. I don't meet a lot of people that do that. <laughs> saying <I'll> keep... nicely. <laughs> <laughs> so, over time, right? so,
0: so what you're saying is I just talk too much. I talk for, talk for too long. So I better keep this answer really so short. <laughs>
1: No, no, I used to have a, my, one of my former CEOs, he had the same. It was very weird for me. So I would prepare 40 slides, and I knew I would push 40 slides into 20 minutes. If I mean, that was just what happened. Yeah. And he would prepare five slides, and he would talk two hours about them if he wasn't careful. It's just, yeah, I think you have the same. You get on stage, you feel at ease because you, you're you born to do that, and then you want to explain and do it properly, and, and <laughs> yeah, it's just another... I mean, I'm way too fast. That's not good either. By the way, yeah, I, I, I mean, it... give me a, a <laughs> <can> back. <laughs> That's it. Give me a quick slap <laughs> on oh, here.
0: No. no, well, what what I tend to do is, I before I, before I go to speak, if if I feel that um, the the nerves are at the right level, then I'll just I'll just go out there and 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 I don't think too much about it. Um, I think what I tend to do is I pre-visualize at some stage, it may be immediately before, it may be the night before, maybe the day before. I, I actually picture the presentation that I'm going to do, the room, me talking to the audience, and I picture it going well. And sometimes if I'm in a situation where I can feel the nerves a little bit, I will think back to other situations where I've done. I'm really pleased with myself, and I've done a really good presentation. But that that really is just a technique that I've picked up from sport. You know, yeah. it's it's that pre visualization of yeah. of the event going well, of the race, of you executing. So I I think that's quite common. That's just used by yeah. a lot of different I, people in sports and business. I do.
1: i uh, When I prepare, I do the same. I'm I'm running around in my 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 home office. And I need to kind of pretend I'm talking to the people. Because, again, while doing, I'm focusing on the transitions, I need to get my timings right. Yes. And it's the same kind of. But, I mean, for me, it's simple. If I do a presentation, I think by the fifth time, I get it really, really, really well. But that means if you do it for the first time, so you need to do it several times. And it's like everything in life. Every time when you see these really, really good presenters, I I was with a a bunch of, of, of executives who were watching this presenter. And they looked at me like, yeah, man. That seems so easy, and I said, if it seems easy, he has practiced this yes. like crazy. That's, so don't be mistaken there.
0: Absolutely, that's a really good point. Actually, and it's 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 something that um, again I thought of this week that I thought was worth mentioning is we we we've said on many occasions that the business world has changed dramatically over the last five years, in particular in the software tech industry, and I think one of the things that people have to be really very very conscious about is that there are now different demands on you as a business owner and for the people within that business one of them of which we've just been discussing is that there are times when you're going to need to be able to perform you need to be able to do videos you need to stand up on stage you you need to be the figurehead and if you really can't do it then you need to find somebody else who's going to take that role because your business does need it it's really important um, and I think also just the way that you present your business, not just to big crowds, but also to individuals. Things that worked in the past that were okay, it they, they doesn't work anymore. really doesn't. You have to. Competition, they've raised the bar. You know, we've spoken about PowerPoint presentations, sales presentations, you know, the 90-second pitch. And the way that people can articulate what their business does and its value, tell the story behind the business. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you know, if I had one, if I had one request to the software tech industries, wake up, guys, because I see so many businesses that it's it's
1: it's not just poor. Sometimes it's appalling. I, I spent the whole day today with um, a SaaS software company getting the narrative, getting the story right, really right, and we did it again and again and change slides. And, and they tend to make it way too difficult. So and, and at the end, because there were two founders, one of them got it completely, and the other one said, but why did you spend so much time? And I said, you know, all of your sales issues, if you get this right, that you will have solved them. And the, it's what we're trying to do is say really, really complex stuff in a very easy way, and it's just difficult. So it's going to take time. So... Yeah, my brain was fried at the end of the day. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, 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 I've, um, I've had quite a few conversations over the last few weeks, and um, it's quite funny because two people mentioned to me about the term cognitive fluency, and it's something I read about years ago. And essentially, it, it's a whole study about communication and how people take on information. But if you look at, and the study's been done, a complex message and a simple message, even though they may be saying the same thing, people will absorb and they will believe, they will believe the simple message over the complex. Yet in the software tech industry, you would, you would believe that the opposite is true. They use acronyms, they use technical jargon, they use what I call industry speak. You know, the <laughs> cliched sentences and phrases that we've heard so many times, your mind gets bored with it and you don't even listen anymore. You know the stuff that some of those analysts throw out into the industry, and then everybody starts copying them, and actually yeah. you just need yeah. good, simple, plain English or whatever
1: your language is. One, <laughs> yeah. and then the one killer image. Yes, I always call it the one killer flight, the one image that you can, you immediately you look at it, and within two, three seconds you get it, and that's so hard. The guys from, I don't know, I mean, one of the good examples is hotjar.com. Uh, they do this heat mapping software. You can you can try it for free on any website. It's interesting to see how people move on your website. And they have this picture on there, and it, it has this thing to the left. It says, um, uh, it's not before now. It's old and new, but have a look. It's It just answers the question. look at it in seconds. Okay, that's what they do. So what simple. What was the name of the company? Hotjar.com. dot rcom Yeah. It's uh, heat mapping for uh, websites. So you oh, can okay. see what people are actually doing. Uh, we use this a lot in the, you know, uh, you know, the sales print concept I do. We use yes. it a lot because people... To go fast, you don't have to write the perfect text. I'm always saying people are not reading everything, and then I use this software to prove that people are literally not reading at all mm. anything. So you should move ten times faster because it doesn't need to be perfect. Right? We get to that. that. That explanation is for another session. Mark. Yeah, well, yeah. It's,
0: it, it's funny because I was I was talking yesterday about um, with our service where we've got icons for the different modules within the service, and they act as like flash memory cards. Yeah. And, exactly. and with this white paper that we're doing, we're thinking about creating some just some simple hand drawings, but almost as sort of iconic um memory cards for each of the sections. So visually, I mean you don't have to teach me much about that one. I, I'm a real believer because being a photographer, visual imagery is so the, important. The
1: you know the book we talked about last time, dot com secrets of Russell yes. Brunson? Yes. I mean he the whole book is filled with pictures of stickmen yes that's true yes <laughs> and you're looking and you're thinking this can't be true but then you think damn this is this is, this is i mean there is no escape to it and each time I'm, when i'm explaining something i start drawing this stickman. i'm thinking man this is crazy but <laughs> it works well the other the other one that that
0: springs to mind is um immediately predictive revenue by aaron yep. ross
1: predictable um,
0: revenue predictable, predictable revenue. revenue that's revenue. the one by yep. the guy who was at salesforce and the drawing yeah. on the front, it looks like he just did it with some crayons. But it, it sticks in your mind, yeah. and, you, and it does convey what he's trying to to put across. So it's really important. So it's uh, compelling, comp- the power of compelling words and exactly. really good images that back that up.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: We've been talking for 31 minutes, so I think yeah. we should probably start
1: to yeah. to bring things to an end. Rosie's getting nervous. It's time for me to leave my own office. I I clearly see that. I must admit, I didn't hear any squawking or flapping. She's she's been nice. She's been nice. But she's giving me the eye now. (laughs) (laughs) She she wants some feed. (laughs) Okay, well, it's been good
0: speaking as always. And um, for those people that have been listening and perhaps have been listening to um, last few of our podcasts, it would be interesting to get some feedback. And if you've got some topics that you would like us to cover from the software world, we'll have a go. None of this is scripted. It purely is a conversation, um, like the question that Michael threw at me right at the beginning. I didn't know that was coming, but we'll just take it the best we can. So if you've got any questions or some ideas, just let us know. So for now, thanks for your time, Michael. And uh, we'll speak Thank again you. soon. you very listening. much. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers.